daughter Aubrey, which most of you know. And uh, Obs is going to share with us about YWAM. And uh, I'm not going to say anything about it because maybe somebody doesn't know what YWAM is. So I'm going to not steal her thunder. Um, she's going to share with us about her, uh, her missions. And after that, uh, Pastor Jim's going to come. Aubrey. Good morning. Well, I will just start, first of all, by um, just wanting to thank all of you guys that have been supporting me through prayers and financial support over these last couple of years that I've been involved with YWAM. Um, it's been amazing, and I'm just going to share a little bit um, about what YWAM is, what, what you can expect if you were to go out and do a DTS, what my life has been like the last couple of years, and then just hit um, on different highlights from the two different outreaches that I've been on. Um, and then I encourage you, if you're at all interested, please come speak to me afterwards. I'd love to sit down and just share more of my heart about why I love YWAM and um, just different things that the Lord's done uh, these last few seasons. So um, what is YWAM? It stands for Youth with a Mission. It was founded by um, an Assemblies of God pastor back in the, late, in the early 50s. Um, Lauren and Darlene Cunningham, as you see, they are the founders. Um, they are just incredible people. They, um, or Lauren began this mission when he had a vision from the Lord. It was a wave crashing on the islands and on the world. And uh, as he just prayed into what that wave was, it, the Lord revealed to him that it was a wave of young people going all across the nations to the hardest and darkest places, just uh allowing others to encounter the love of God. Um, and since then, YWAM has a strong presence around the world. It's one of the biggest missionary training and sending organizations, and there's over 1,200 bases um, worldwide. So it's, it's amazing. I love it. Um, you can kind of see the Kona base is where I've spent my time. That's um, one of the larger bases. Uh, Lauren and Darlene live there, and so we get... Um, honored to, to see them often. Um, so that's kind of where I spend most of my time. Um, and so a DTS, or a discipleship training school, uh, it's been life-changing. It's changed my life. It's changed my walk with the Lord. It's changed how I view people, how I view the nations. Um, and so just a little, I guess, uh, information about a DTS is there are many different DTSs. Um, the one that I've been with has been Awaken. There's some that if you're interested in, in journalism or photography or performing arts, there's different ones that are catered to specific interests of people. Um, Awaken is what, I, is what I've been with since 2012. It aims to awaken the hearts of everyone to the great commandment of loving God first and through that um, loving others and the lost. Family is the heart of Awaken. We love each other like family. Um, there's not a stronger community that I've been a part of, and it's that itself has been so life-changing, is living with community, living with people that um, first are so in love with Jesus that they just spur you on and they sharpen you, and um, it's, it's amazing. You can't describe it. So... A DTS is a six-month commitment. You spend the first three months on a base. As I said, I spent my time in Kona. Um, during these three months, you are taught the nature and character of God. You learn um, how to hear his voice in everyday life. 
You learn and study the gifts of the Spirit. You learn about the nations and what God's perspective is for His for His children all across the world. You get a, gain a better understanding of the Father's heart and His love for each of us. You have gospel sharing, teaching and practice, campus-wide worship times each week, an amazing ministry as a school. Each DTS, it ranges different um, in, different, in numbers. The two that I've been a part of, first as a student and second as a staff, have had around 80 students and 30 staff. Uh, so a little bit larger than, than others, but I love it. Uh, through the school, you live in community with one another. Um, yeah, like I said, there's no way to describe it, and you crave it as soon as you leave. Um, I can guarantee that. And then after the training, for, uh, you go and put your, into practice what you've been taught, and you go into the nations, and you live life with a team of as little as four other people or as big as our biggest team this year sent uh, 17 people um, to South Africa. And so you just range, um, or you just learn to live, to live life with, with different people, and that's some of the hardest, hardest times. Um, learning what it means to live in community, and uh, but it's also some of the richest times, and those are the, the lifelong friendships that you make there. Um, yeah, some of your dear, dear friends you make in these in these times. Uh, on outreach, these are times when you're, like I said, out of your comfort zone. You're thrown into situations that you can't even imagine, but it's it's awesome because it's the time that you choose whether to um, develop your intimate relationship with the Lord and to choose thankfulness every day or you can choose to, to wallow in your self-pity and, and um, focus on the struggles and I've seen both in the last two years but there's nothing more rewarding than choosing thankfulness um, each and every day because yeah, there are hard times for sure um so just kind of some basics. I know that some people are interested, and so just some of the costs. Um, and again, if you're interested, please I'll share more. But just um, just so you guys all know, the, there's two phases in it. The first phase, the training phase in Kona, is roughly about $4,000. And then for your outreach, it depends on where you go. And so they range between $4,000 to $6,000 on top of that. Um, and I know that's a lot of money. Um, and the, the number one concern we hear from students is how do we pay that? That's so much money. We don't have that money. And uh, the thing that I've come to love and respect about YWAM is it's, it's unique in the, in the sense that everyone lives on support there. Um, Lauren and Carlene uh, Cunningham, Darlene, they, they live on support. They don't have... Um, a, a job that provides a regular income. It's all support. And so this is really a time of, of testing um, or putting your trust in the Lord and seeing if he's going to provide, and he always does. Um, so don't let that be a hindrance for anyone that's wanting to do it. Um, he always provides. We've seen thousands of dollars come in in hours. Um, so cool testimonies there that I'd love to share if any are interested. Um, so then I'll just briefly hit on the outreaches that I've been a part of. Back in 2012, as a student, I was in Nepal, and 
Um, Nepal was amazing. Nepal has captured my heart. I love Nepal. I love the nation. I love the people. Um, oh, I was going to not do it. <laughs> Clearly, it's impacted more than I thought. Um, but, yeah, we saw God show up in, in amazing ways in Nepal. We saw blind see, deaf hear, pain was gone, um, just amazing, amazing things. Uh, we saw hunger for, um, yeah, everyone was so hungry for the Lord. Nepal is a lot of Buddhists, and so um, we were able to just, explain who Jesus was, what he did on the cross, and um, that he is the one true God. And so just seeing and being able to share that testimony with the people there has has been life-changing. And then this last time, I I led a team to China, uh, very different than Nepal. Nepal is a third-world country. Um, Here in China, first world, very developed. As you can see, I lived in a city, lived in a very nice apartment, um, our main focus was college-age students, and um, that was mainly because, one, that they could speak English, and so we were able to have Bible studies and um, English corners where we would go into universities and teach English. Um, and then we partnered with underground churches, and a lot of these students and people are atheists, and so they didn't you know, believe in God at all, and so just being able to go through the gospel with them and, and the Bible, just explaining, no, God is real, and, and this is, you know, proof of it, um, was something that I've never done before. Uh, scary at first, but then um, the Lord just speaks right through you, so it was very cool. Um, and then we would make friends with, with students at universities, and again, just be able to do one-on-one discipleship, um, we were able to help out at orphanages uh, for special needs, which was it was something I'd never been a part of before. I've never seen, but um, it was very special. So to, to wrap it up a bit, um, 2014 is an exciting year for me. I'm going back to Nepal. Um, we're going to go back to the villages that we've been to, um, work um, with the children's home that we were able to work with. We were able to help uh, start up a homeless banquet hall um, downtown that we're going to go back and see. It's now started to become a church, and so it'll just be awesome to go back and see the, the ways that the Lord has been moving there. Um, and then come June, I will head back to Kona and staff another DTS that starts uh, July 3rd until December. Uh, this community and, and the transformation uh, in people's lives through DTS is where my heart's at, and it's what the Lord is calling me. It's what he's calling me to do. Um, Being able to see God radically transform young people's lives and being able to pour into them, there's, there's nothing better than that. 
Yeah, people are radically encountering the living God. And so that's that's where I'm that's where I'm to be these you know, these next few months back there. And so I can't encourage you enough, whether you're just graduating high school, you're in your early, mid, late twenties, your thirties, whatever whatever, um, this this isn't just a program, it's a life changing uh, I hate to use the word experience, but a, but it is um, an experience that you won't be the same after. Um, and, yeah, my charge to you is just we serve a big, big God. He can do more than we can even imagine. Um, and to be obedient to whatever he's calling you to do. It's not easy. It's not always a popular choice, but um, the Lord will provide the way. And he won't ask you to do something that you can't do, that you're not capable of, because he'll provide all that you need. Um, And so, again, if you're at all interested, I'd love to sit down and talk to you. Um, And if you're at all interested in partnering with me these next few months, again, I'd be more than happy to sit down and and share more about what exactly the next year is going to look like um, in, in greater detail. But I can't thank you enough for just knowing that I have a church back here that supports me. Um, not many kids have that, and it's, it's rare to have a family and a church body that's so supportive. Um, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, so thank you. Thanks, Obvious. And uh, she will be available uh, for the potluck and to, if you want to spend time and talking to her. And Chris and I have been out there, and it is an amazing thing, and it is Hard to put into words. I know there's other YWAMers here, been out there before, and uh, it is a pretty amazing thing, isn't it? Brooke's been out there, and some of the other folks, and Cam's been out there, and uh, so it's it's a good thing. And if seriously, if if you have a young person that's interested, um, it'll it'll bless them, and it will change their life. At this time, I'm going to welcome Jim Finn to come, and he's going to talk to us about uh, what he's doing in India, which is not too far from Nepal. Amen. Thank you, Thank you brother. Well, it's an honor to be with you today on this uh, first Sunday in 2014. Are you thankful you're in the house of the Lord this morning? You know, uh, Nancy and I have uh, have a heart for for India, and um, we've we're working in, in a in a ministry called Good News India that primarily is reaching out to destitute children, children who are uh, orphaned, children who are at risk of sexual or bonded slavery, and uh, presently um, we have about 27 orphanages we call dream centers scattered throughout Orissa and West Bengal. Um, I work with a gentleman by the name of Fais Raman. Dr. Fais Raman grew up in Calcutta under the ministry of Mark and Haldabuntain. If you're old-time Assembly God folks, that name uh, resonates from Assembly God people because uh, Mark Buntain had a tremendous impact uh, for world missions and was stationed in Calcutta with a ministry called Mission of Mercy, where they have rescued tens of thousands of children throughout the years. And Dr. Raman uh, kind of grew up to be, uh, you could call him, I guess, the golden child of the Mission of Mercy there in Calcutta. He was rise to the head of the class and traveled with the Buntains, uh, sharing his testimony, raising funds, came to the United States as a student and was president at Bethany Bible College and then at uh, AGTS in Springfield 
continued to help with the Montaigne's ministry. And around uh, somewhere in the late 90s, he was traveling in a remote region in Orissa. It's kind of strange to think of India that it will, in the next, they say, next 10 to 20 years, exceed China and become the largest populated nation of the world. Uh, already well over a billion people in that land. But also in India, you have remote tribal regions. You have the jungle book. You know, you have uh, uh, elephants and, uh, and, uh, and uh, lions and, and so forth, T- tigers. So it's, it's uh, very vast and very different in its, in its uh, makeup. But, uh, and so Fai's being from Calcutta, administering in big cities with Fontaines, was uh, requested, can you help in this remote tribal region? And he said, well, I'll pray about it. How many get real spiritual sometimes when you hear a need and you use that phrase, I'll pray about it? But the Lord touched his heart and, uh, and said, there's some things you don't need to pray about, you just need to do. And so uh, he went back came back to the states he was pastoring a church in Houston Texas he had a he made a, got a few pictures of these kids that needed help and uh, began getting sponsorships for them and that's how good news India was birthed in 1998 and so now we have 27 orphanages we call dream centers about 2700 children and we have long-term goals to have uh, 100 centers and 10,000 children. And I believe the only way that the Lord is going to end up making that happen is to have uh, gals like Aubrey catch the vision to do what I'm doing, amen, because I, I believe there's going to be a, a host of a new generation of people that will do it even better than I can and Dr. Raman can. Well, I don't know. Dr. Raman does a pretty tremendous job. I'm just kind of hanging on to his shirt tail. I was pastoring a great church in Twin Falls, Idaho. I was pastor. I was hosting the district council. They were bringing in David Mohan and David Grant, two great um, preachers from India. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that I'm having some of the premier preachers in the world come to my pulpit, and I don't even have to pay for it. I know, I'm glad you didn't laugh at that, because you don't like to have pastors that kind of like a freebie, you know. I I don't. I mean, I I, I hope for an offering for Good News India. Can you say amen? But, But I was so thankful, because... Mohan has been known throughout the Assemblies of God as a great man of prayer. The church prays 24-7 in a, in a land that's, um, you know, about 80% Hindu. You have this church of 40,000 people in Chennai. And this guy's coming to my pulpit. And uh, I said, Lord, speak to me. I got greedy for a word from heaven. I said, I want to hear from heaven when Mohan preaches in the pulpit. So that night when Mohan was preaching... I hadn't even been introduced to him. The district officiary brought him onto the platform. I was sitting over here and a couple rows back. And on occasion, Mohan would stop what he was doing and divert from the regular uh, sermon text and divert to something different. He said, let's just stand and praise the Lord. So we stood and praised the Lord. And um, as we were praising the Lord, I, I had my hand in the air. I felt a hand grab mine, and it was his. And he began to prophesy over me and saying, the Lord wants to use you in missions around the world. And I thought, you don't have to do this in front of all my friends uh, in the district. But it was a generic prophetic word. He said things like, you know, um, world missions and things you're going to help with and do. And I thought, well, I already do that. I pastor a church. We give money to missions around the world. 
But something was birthed in my heart that night for India. And so a little later, Fies came from Good News India to our church, and he invited me to go uh, to India with him. And I went, and I fell in love with the ministry, the children, the, well, the things that they do. And so I said, what more can I do? And he said, well, come serve on my board. So when I went to the board meetings, and I saw what Dr. Rahman was doing, how he had dual citizenship, how he was securing all the properties for the Dream Centers, how he was raising the funds for all the children, how he was basically, you know, a, a one-man band. I, I, I looked at him like, you remember, if you're an old-timer like me, the uh, magicians that would put a, a, a stick and have a plate twirling on it, and uh, they'd run around, they'd have... 20 plates spinning on sticks, and they'd, and one was about ready to fall down, and they'd run back and get that one going. I, I looked at him like that. He's doing everything. And the Lord spoke to my heart, well, ask him if he can help. And so he said, well, will your church allow you to go out and share the message of Good News India on occasion? So I asked, and my church board allowed me to go out on occasion, and soon that became my passion. When I could see a child rescued from uh, bonded slavery or sexual slavery and have a hope in a future, it just, you know, got me excited and I wanted to do it again. And so after uh, uh, serving on the board and going out and doing this, this became my overwhelming passion. After a couple of years of doing that, my wife and I were praying about, you know, doing even more. I felt, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Uh, I'll check with Fies and see if he could use me in another capacity, if, if this would work. So I called him and thought, well, if he says no, then I'm kind of off the hook. I can just continue on my pastoring. And he said, Brother Finn, why don't you become the director of operations for Good News India? And I thought, what's that mean? And he said, well, you raise a budget, you come to India, and you're kind of the go-between between me and all of the orphanages, all the directors. You basically help lift my hands with the whole ministry from the India side. And so I said, sure, I'll help you with that. And so we resigned our church. We started raising budgets, and uh, we went over to India on a trip. And while we were there, Dr. Raman said, you know, Jim, uh, you see what's taking place here really on the India side. He has kids that were from the jungle tribal bush that were from the program that were raised up and now have master's degrees in business that are running the office and the computers from the India side. I'm going to tell them what to do. I kind of felt overwhelmed by the thought of me being their overseer. But he said, you know, I need you even more in the States to share the Good News India message of hope to people uh, like I would like to be doing all the time, but I have to spend a lot of time in India. And he said, would you be able to spend the majority of the time in the States and share the passion that I have for India, what we're doing, and most importantly, getting more support for children? And uh, I said yes to that. And so the last couple of years, Nancy and I have been traveling and sharing the good news, India message of hope to churches just like this all over the country. And then on occasion... Uh, have opportunities to go over to India. We have our little testimony back there. We hope you grab one. Uh, I just put the good things about me on it. If, uh, fortunately, I'm you know, quite a ways from home, so I don't think any of you know me real well. You might say, that sounds too good to be you. But how many know if you put a resume out, you kind of skip the 
stuff that isn't really great about yourself, and you put the good stuff. Can you say amen? Okay, you guys can, can chuckle if you like to. And uh, pass that around. And then also, uh, there's newsletters back there. There's other information back there. There's mission trips that you can go on. And uh, when you go on a mission trip with Good News India, you go into remote tribal regions that few people uh, who ever go to India would see. Because when you go, uh, so pass that one around. Maybe somebody will say, I'm going to sign up and go on a mission trip. I had planned on going here right away uh, in January, and uh, it's really a beautiful time of the year to go to India. When you go in the summer, the real only advantage you have is that the mangoes taste better than they do for this time of year. When, when it's 120 degrees and the humidity is about the same, uh, it's not the, the most exciting place to be, but still the children's lives being changed, the people whose hearts are, uh, you, you see that the testimonies and the great things taking place, it's a, a blessing for sure. Amen. Well, um, I'd like you to uh, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. I, I have a word I believe that the Lord would want me to share with you for the next few minutes. Um, I know you get done here about what time? About noon? That's five minutes from now. How many give me ten minutes to preach this message? How many give me 10? 10, 20, 30, 40. Thank you very much. No, I won't, I won't keep you that long. Somebody made a, their most exotic dish at, for the potluck, and we can't go too long for that. But I just want to share with you for a few minutes uh, something that I believe can really transform your heart and your thinking regarding missions. And as we go into a new year, uh, I believe this is something that will be a blessing to you. And um, it's a, thank you so much for allowing me the privilege, Pastor, to be here today in, in the first Sunday of the year. This is uh, verse 34 when Peter is preaching to the house of Cornelius, and he opens his mouth and said, In the truth I perceive that God shows no what partiality. Say that with me, no partiality. But in every nation, say every nation, who fears him, capital H, and works righteousness, is accepted by him. Lord, thank you for your word today. I just ask you in the next few minutes that uh, you will allow this word to bear fruit in the hearts of your people here in Charlevoix. Thank you for the pastor and his daughter's wonderful testimony. Thank you for your presence in this service. Thank you for the hunger that is sensed amongst the people here. We just ask your blessing on it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. This is the portion of Scripture where the Gentiles are first hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 10, where Peter is preaching to the house of Cornelius. Up to this time, the gospel is really Jerusalem-based. It's Jewish people-based to the Hebrews. And, and uh, Peter had been in his comfort zone. But Peter is the most spiritual man on the planet. The chapter before, Dorcas had been raised from the dead. The chapter before that, Aeneas, a man who had been bedridden for eight years, was up and walking. People were so desirous to get into the presence of the apostle that they would take their sick and place them in the place where his shadow would go by so that if they would just get into his shadow, they would be healed. That's a pretty powerful position and testimony to have that Peter had. In this portion of Scripture, 
he had been at uh, Simon the Tanner's place, and I may be embellishing a bit to call it a seaside villa, but I believe that the great things that have been happening in, the, in Peter's life, the dead had been raised, the sick had been uh, raised up, miracle after miracle has been happening. He's taking a little break at Simon the Tanner's place, and I believe that uh, the night before he stayed up a little late because the Bible tells us that about noon he fell into a trance because he was hungry. I'm looking at some of you, and about now that's going to happen to you too, so I don't want to go too very long. But this is when the Lord spoke to him, you know, and the sheep came down from heaven with the unclean things on it, the unkosher things to eat, and the Lord said, take and eat, and Peter said no, and uh, the Lord said again, take and eat, and he said no, and a third time, and he said no. Now, how many believe the most spiritual man on the planet shouldn't be saying no to the Lord three times? But Peter had a threefold uh, uh, answer to situations more than once. Remember when he denied Christ, how many times he denied him? Three times. Then you remember Jesus appears to him at the seashore after he was raised from the dead, but before he ascended, and he uh, takes him from that place where he had denied him or rejected him, and he restores him with a threefold restoration. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Threefold. How many of you know for every rejection, there's a restoration? Are you thankful? Because there are people not in the churches today all over America because the devil's a great preacher and he'll say you shouldn't come because of the things that you've done. But I'm thankful that it's one of the things that I do that are not right when I'm out in the world. Uh, that's when I'm a hypocrite, not when I come to church. If I'm a believer, I'm in the right place. Amen? When I'm out doing things that aren't right outside the church, that's when I'm a hypocrite. Because I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Amen? So I have a couple minutes left, and i got one point down. i got two quick ones to go. Uh, he, he rejected Christ. He was restored. But here we have a revelation threefold. Now at the very top and pinnacle of his successes, God shows up again because... What he preached at Pentecost now has to be put into practice that this gospel is going to go into all the world. Now the gospel has to go to Cornelius' house. Cornelius wasn't even a Christian yet, but God showed up at his house first, spoke to him and said, I know you're a devout man, you pray, and you're a giver, and uh, I want you to send your fellas to where Peter is at Simon Tanner's place, and there's going to be a divine appointment and an encounter that takes place. Well, how many believe that God can even speak to non-believers? He prayed. He was hungry for God, but he yet hadn't come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I needed to hear that because as I was doing this ministry with Good News India, I said, Lord, you chose me to represent Good News India because I know uh, pastors. I've been an Assembly of God minister for a long time. That's why, right, Lord? And he said, no. I said, well, it's because I know people like Thomas Trask. We have Jack Van Impe endorsing our ministry. That's why, Lord, he said no. Now, how many know that you need to know why you're doing, you need to know why you're doing what you're doing? It's important. If somebody says, what, why you do what you do? <laughs> and I, I said, Lord, I need to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. If it's not because of, you know, uh, who I am and who I know, well, 
the Lord said, it's because there's little Hindu children out in the bush praying and, and trusting that they'll be free. Little kids that lost their parents, little kids that, have, that are crying out hungry. And they're saying, Jesus, if you're real, spare me. I said, Lord, you care about little Hindu kids that are not even saved yet? Is that doctrinally correct? Yeah, it is. And so the last time we were in India, we were going to this very remote tribal uh, orphanage. And Fize is actually um, kind of apologizing for its appearance. He says, I was going to shut this place down. Uh, I was going to disperse the children that are in it to other nicer places. But he says, now I have a property, and I'm going to place them in another uh, place soon. But just to let you know, this is kind of a, a tough-looking spot. When we got there, yeah, the appearance of the orphanage was crude, but the children's hearts were hungry for God. It was a wonderful place. It was a Sunday morning. We were having a worship service, and um, they had some children playing, planning to share their testimonies. And one little boy gets up. He's about 11 years old. And with tears streaming down his face, but very composed, he says his little story, something like this. I grew up in a village right nearby here, mud hut, thatch-roofed village, remote tribal area. He said, my mother passed away, and one day my dad took off, never didn't come back. Left me and my siblings to fend for ourselves. He says, I'm the youngest, and they didn't want to work all day and then, you know, pay my freight to take care of me. So he said, I had nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. He says, I heard about the Good News India Dream Center where kids were fed, clothed, educated, and uh, could have a hope and a future. And so I inquired about it amongst the people in the village, and they said, you don't want to go there. They worship the foreign god Jesus. He says, I saw the kids going to school, clothed, clean, happy, fed, and he says, so I got on my knees and I said, Jesus, if you're real, if you're real, get me into that place. So he said, I, something within me told me, go. He says, I just showed up with nobody to tell my story but myself, just with a shirt on my back. And they allowed me to come in. And he says, now I'm being fed, clothed, educated, but most importantly, I'm learning about Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. <laughs> there when I sat in the, that jungle location out in remote India, the Lord tapped me and said, that's exactly why you're doing what you're doing. I heard that boy's prayer. Yeah. Does the Lord care? Yeah, He does. Oh, yeah. He cared enough to bring... Mohan from Chennai to preach in a pulpit to lay hands on me to stir me up to get a hunger to investigate it to the point where I am today speaking here. He's involved in divine appointments. Let me just kind of conclude with this thought. We have a table out back. We have pictures of children for $35 a month. You can house, feed, clothe, and educate a child. You might say, Brother Finn, that's such a great deal. Can I send my kids there? I said, no, you can't. You can't. Because they're lined up waiting to get help over there in India. $35 a month. 
Oh, yeah, when you go there, too, and you see it, it's, it's no posh place. you got a bedroll. All their belongings are in a little box. All the flip-flops are lined up outside. You know, it's, it's not a lot. But the alternative, what would be there for those kids if they weren't in that place, is horrific. Bonded and sexual slavery. And when I see kids that go through that program and are now educated or pastoring churches that are teaching in schools that are business people, I mean, we're not talking generations of, of growth. We're talking about just a few years of schooling and lives. Kids that had nothing within a short time are saying, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be a doctor. And you know what? They're doing it. Hallelujah. God is a great God. Amen? Now, uh, I'd just like you to stand with me, and I'd like to pray for you in your mission field here of Charlevoix and your area, and, and, and you guys pray for us. Um, churches are saddled with a huge responsibility. Because you have your own address, and if you don't take care of your own, you're worse than an infidel, according to Scripture. So your own address is very important. And I thank God for this facility and your pastor and your leaders, your people. You have a, you have a desire to do things right at this church. God bless you. But another awesome thing is God's address is the world. And the, and the needs are so mind-blowing that it's hard to say, where do you even start? What do you do about it? Well, one thing that's taking place in our society today, everybody wants to be relational and authentic. It's big words. And if you're a missions giver and you have a mission Sunday and a church supports a few or a bunch of missionaries and you don't really have close relations with them, you may, within your heart, have been spoken to to give a certain amount of money per month to missions. And that's fine. God works that way. But there's nothing really more relational than to sponsor a child. I'm just going to say that because now you really feel part of that program. You get a letter back from them. They say when their birthday is. They tell you how they're doing in school and all this and that. You really become mom or dad to that kid. Everybody else is auntie and uncle. But if you show up over there after you're sponsoring them and they grab you by the leg and say, Mama, wow. It's happened to us. It's mind-blowing. It's more relational than anything I've been involved in, and I've been a part of missions for many, many years. You're like a mom and dad to kids you see saved here. You're spiritual leaders to, in this community. God wants to use you in that way, but he wants to use you around the world too. So the divine appointment is... I believe when somebody sponsors a child, to me it's just as valid as when the Spirit nudged Philip to go into the desert to speak to the Ethiopian. It's just as important as when the Holy Spirit nudged Ananias and said, go pray for Saul of Tarsus. You might say, well, those things don't happen today. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. God speaks, and we obey. And God answers. The Lord, I just ask you right now to bless 
Center Point Church in Charlevoix, Michigan. I ask your anointing upon the pastor, the leaders, the congregation. I pray that in the days I've had, that this year, Lord God, will be a great year of vision and outreach. It will be a great year of harvest and blessing. Lord, it will be a year where your hand of blessings will be outpoured upon them as we are ready to be poured out as an offering for your service. Thank you, Jesus. To start this year with a missions theme. Thank you for Aubrey's heart and bless her continually. Allow these kids from Good News India, Lord God, to grow and be used of you in great ways. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And, Pastor, I'm just going to get a little selfish and ask you to pray for me right now, Nancy, before we finish the service. Would you, uh, would you just, uh, if you want to come up here in front just, or just reach out your hand and just let's just pray for, for Jim and Nancy and the, the work that they're doing. And let's just, uh, let's just agree in Jesus' name. Father, we come before you in your holy name. And Jesus, it's a, it's, an, it's a privilege, Lord, that we can do that, that we can come before you with any day, with any request, at any time. And God, I thank you for the heart of Jim and Nancy, for what you're doing in their heart and the passion that you've, that you've put in them. Lord, not for their own benefit, not for their own sake. God, I'm sure that uh, they both could be enjoying life a little differently, Lord, um, if they were doing maybe what they wanted to do all the time. But God, I, I thank you for the heart of missions that you've placed in their heart. And I pray, God, that you'd bless them. Lord, I do believe in divine appointments. And I do believe that this may be one of those times, Lord, how this just came together. Lord, and, and how you happened to put the ram in the thicket for Abraham. Lord, you've uh, brought Jim and Nancy here for us to this moment in time. And, and how it just happened to coincide with Aubrey. And, and, Lord, I know you're touching the hearts of people here, even as we speak, that you might want to put them in a position likewise. So I pray your blessing in their life. I pray, God, that you just bless them throughout this year in 2014, that as they go into different churches and as they um, spread the gospel through Good News India, Lord, that children and uh, would be reached. That is the future of the world is through children. And, God, that they would grow and that they would be uh, blessed. Thank you for that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.